two uppercuts just to build the most meter. Nice. Catches him with the EX. Ochi Oicho. A lot better play from Grandmaster B. Chases him down out of the air. Is he going to get a juggle on this? Oh, wow. nice. Pretty solid. Boom. Oh, wow. Daigo's still alive. Needs more. Can he get the, the butt slam chip? No. Oh, Ooh, that crouching medium yeah. kick was dangerous. That could have just been it right there. Cloud's trying to get little screams going in to convince somebody to do something crazy. Oh, that's too late. That's too late. No quick rise. Got to press the button. It's crouching jab and it's enough. Welcome to the Absolute Guard Podcast. Yes, welcome. This is episode 40. My name is Benny, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, John. Uh, speaking of 40, that's a milestone that I personally just uh, ended up surpassing as I just turned 41 yesterday. Hey, hey. That's, I don't know if you have the stream audio tuned in right now, but today is actually a surprise birthday episode for Benny. <laughs> so we, yeah, I, saw, so. I saw it was just playing right now. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> The theme music is the theme music is a little different, but um, well, yeah. Congratulations, happy birthday! I just congratulated you on surviving for forty-one years, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, I just saw the the Daigo, the Daigo yeah. match right now. Yeah. So oh, basically, man. in preparation for this show, um, I have a list of uh, different questions that I wanted to ask you about your fighting game career, both as a player and as a tournament organizer. Um, we're in a really unique spot compared to previous episodes where, you know, we could just have like everyone would have, would have like a biography episode. We call it a biography episode, but for you and I, as the hosts, we have gradually trickled our stories in. <laughs> so our origin yeah, stories yeah. are kind of spread out through the entire thing. So I try to like, like think of some questions of stuff that you haven't shared already on the podcast. Um, and one of those is we talked a little bit about your, your match with Daigo, um, in a, in a previous episode, but, uh, I was curious about like what your general experience was like playing the match that's on the stream right now. Oh man, that was to be honest, like like going into Evo, right? Like you see your bracket, right? And it's yeah. just like, you know, your initial bracket, you know, that does that's not always a thing, right? That's a rough draft. Like, you know, people get swapped around, people get reseeded or whatever, right? And when I saw that my final bracket was pretty much, you know, Daigo was in there on the other side. Or actually, in the on the same side, yeah. And you know, it's it's hard not to look at it and be like, you know what? If I win these first two matches, I'm gonna play Daigo. And then knowing, you know, this was uh, to put it in context, like at that time, like Daigo was switching to Evil Ryu right after after Yun, right? And you know, a lot of people were kind of like, kind of down on him and just like, you know, he's kind of lost his touch. He hasn't won Evo in the last couple years. You know, what's he going to bring to the table? So, again, that came into my thought process, too, was, like, if I get to play against him, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be on stream because at that point, they don't want to put the first round matches on stream. Like, you know, they're going to wait a couple rounds, and then it's going to be like, all right, whoever's playing Daigo at this point, he's going up there. Wow. So so my mindset was, like, I got to win these first two matches, right? Like, I wasn't trying to look ahead, but I was like, I got to win these first two matches. And if I remember correctly, that was the year – that the first guy, I think he 
did he get himself DQ'd? Man, I have to. I'd have to look back at the bracket. Was it like I think an the early first pool guy, or something? Well, no, it wasn't even an early pool. Like he came and like I guess his he was playing pad and his controller wasn't working, ah. right? And then he's like, "Oh, do I have time to get my other controller?" And the 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 TO or whatever the uh, the bracket runner was like, "Oh, where's your other controller?" He goes, "Oh, it's at the hotel across the street or whatever. I don't know whatever hotel we were nearby." Ooh. And I'm like. Oh. I'm like, why would you enter the Evo Hall and leave your backup controller in your hotel room? I was, that's, that was my first thought. It was just like, it wasn't even about the fact that I could potentially get a DQ win because I was just like, whatever. Yeah. It was just like, why would you leave your backup controller in a hotel room that's not even, you know, you're not even in the same hotel? <laughs> What's so the like, point of even bringing the backup controller on the trip yeah. with you, right? <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I was like frustrated by, or, you know, I was just kind of like, uh, I get not frustrated, just more confused about the fact that he would do that. And I don't, I don't remember if he ever came back or if he came back later or whatever. But then, like, I beat, you know, I got through that part. And then the second guy, I, you know, everybody does their kind of research on who's in their pool, right? Sure. And the second guy I found out was from, like, the Pacific Northwest. And being, being from Alaska, like, I'd ask my friends, like, hey, do you guys know who this guy is? And they're like, oh, yeah, I think we played him at Northwest Majors. He's a Ken player. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't really do research on, like, him as a player, but it was just like Ken. Like you know, I wasn't necessarily too worried about it. It was like something I'm com- I'm comfortable with. So, but I was more nervous playing that match than I was actually playing Daigo because it was like, if I don't beat this guy, like I'm never gonna be able to live with myself, right? If I, yeah. If I didn't get you... the chance to go play Daigo, because like it was like I lost to some some dude from you know Seattle, Washington, or Portland, or wherever he was from, and I missed out on the chance to play Daigo at Eva of all things. So. I was more nervous doing that, but, you know, I ended up getting through him. And then sure enough, like I see somebody come from the side and they're like, he's like, Oh, Daigo, go stream. And I'm just like, (laughs) Oh shit. I was like, yeah, it's happening. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, Oh my God. So, you know, we end up going up to the stage and then, um, I think he asked me, he asked me to play on, uh, on the P2 side. And I kind of, I honestly should have fought it because like, I prefer to play on P2, but at the time I was just kind of like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. You can, you can take whatever. Yeah. You didn't want to, you didn't want to play mind games with them out of the gates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you watch the match, like, yeah, I pretty much, I pretty much got washed. I basically got double perfected other than the one, the one round that I won. But to win that round was like, you know, in the, in the fashion that it did, it was pretty hype. So like, yeah, it was pretty cool to actually like, you know, be up on the main stage with like tens of thousand people you know, watching, watching the stream and the people in live attendance seeing me and just like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure everybody was just like, yeah, he's about to just destroy this guy. And, you know, just to actually get the round off, I was just like, Hey, I took a round off, off that guy of all people who was, you know, pretty much been my, my street fighter idol. So that's been the, that was like the coolest thing that I've, that I've done up to that point. It was in like a really unique fashion how you won that round too, right? Where it was like, it was deliberate counterplay against him. He like jumped back in the corner and you did an anti or sumo headbutt or sumo splash rather. And you comboed in yeah, yeah. ultra, which is a really rare combo for Honda players. You don't see that very often at yeah, all. Yeah, that, that's like, that's like completely situational. And like part of like my thinking is I had tried like a, I had got a back throw on him and I mm-hmm. did a, I don't know if I mistimed it, but I was going for a safe jump setup to see if he was going to drag the punch. He didn't do anything. And then I spaced it, you know, like, you play enough and like i learned i know the spacing perfectly that i was just like he's in the corner i get him to this spot like if i if i hit him with the the sumo smash like that combo is gonna work like that's a you know super situational thing so like 
when I did it and like, you know, I kind of like got a somewhat of a read, just like he was reacting to certain things I was doing. So I was like, if I do this, he's going to jump. And when I saw him jump and I landed that and I was just like, holy crap, I was just like, this is really going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even win off of that. Like, he, you know, he was at like chip damage range and then he got he escaped. And I basically won because he I think he dropped one of his combos, his FADC combo. And I forgot to tech to get up quicker. And yeah. That's what, uh, Ultra David was saying, he's like, hey, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You got to tech and get get the hell up. Because like, otherwise, I, I, you know, I, I could end up losing the round. Yeah. Yeah. When you got the jab, I was like, I wonder if that was actually a punisher. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I won that round. And then after that, like he pretty much watched me. So I was just like, yeah, it's like, it's what it is, man. How did you feel uh, like after the match, like, you know, shaking the hand and getting up off the stage and whatnot and seeing just how many people were watching you? Uh, I was just relieved. Like, I mean, you know, I was just like, you know, part of it was just like, oh, man, I just got to play this guy. Like, you know, I wasn't thinking about, you know, it's it's a I guess it's an easier loss to take than just losing to anybody. So mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, nobody was expecting me to win, like pull off a round. So it's like, you know, I could at least say I did that, if anything. Yeah. There were a couple like moments where it was like, like on the stream right now, we actually, it was a concern that you were going to get double perfected, but you actually had, uh, you made him block a headbutt at least. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the context of the match, as you said, he was kind of, Daigo was kind of had the washed up impression uh, on the scene, right? At that, at that point in time, he, no one had seen him really play Evil Ryu and, um, you know, everyone was kind of looking for him to come back in, in decisive fashion. And this was kind of the start of that, I think. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was pretty, it was yeah, definitely a fun time. I'm glad that there was, you know, the, the pro pro photographers around because there there's a really good picture of me and him like at the stream setup that that I found that, you know, to this day it's just like that's that's like one of my favorite favorite FGC photos that I have. So I'm like, yeah, oh. I got to play this guy. Nice. Um yeah. I was gonna ask too, like uh did you have like a game plan going into fighting Daigo? Like a specific thing you want goal you wanted to accomplish or like obviously you were trying to get there, get to the point where you could play him, and once you got there, like yeah. you know what was what was what was your game plan going in? Uh, I didn't really have a game plan. I mean, <laughs> I pretty much got got destroyed by the uh, the crouching crouching forward more than anything that whole time. Like you know, I was just like, <laughs> this is what he's on a whole other level. This guy's just like toying with me. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I've always told people like when it comes to playing the more established and the pro players and stuff, right? Like they're just, they're just names in the bracket and like, you shouldn't, you know, try to get overwhelmed with the fact that you're going to lose to them mm. or, you know, or that you're playing them. Like, otherwise, like, you know, like I always look at it as kind of like, that's kind of like a loser's mentality, right? Like I didn't go in thinking like I was going to lose, but you know, at the same time, like you got to kind of be realistic with yourself. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I didn't just go in and be like, all right, I'm going to lose this match. It was like, holy shit, I'm about to play Daigo at Evo. Like that's where my mind was. Got it. It's it's two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? There's one part where yeah. if like if you're if you're too you give up too quickly because you're like, oh, I'm just here for the to get his autograph or something, you know? It's yeah. it's <laughs> you, you go in with that loser's mentality, like you're just gonna get washed. But then if you go in with completely unrealistic expectations, like you're gonna be hurting after you get brought down, brought back down to earth. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people get mad. I've seen people get sad. Get like it's, there's a lot of like. You gotta have you gotta have reasonable expectations, I think, playing somebody like yeah. that go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think it's just like I mean, I knew like, you know, he's at a whole nother other level of gameplay than I was, right? So it's just sure. like 
you know, just to just to be up there. And then, like I said, you know, losing, it was, you know, I didn't really think anything about the loss. It was just, you know, okay, I lost to Daigo, but I was just like, man, this is like a whole nother level of the game that I'm not, you know, I'm not ready for yet. Yeah. And sometimes that's exciting, right? You're like, oh man, yeah. there's, there is a whole nother level to the game now. And I can just, uh, uh, I, that's more to explore really. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, uh, when it comes to like, you know, professional sports, right? Like there's the basketball team, like typically you only see there's, there's like an NBA team has like 15 people on their roster, right? Typically on a, like their rotation, you'll see eight people, the rest of them, they don't really play unless, you know, injuries or something happen, Right. And a lot of people will call these guys that are on like the end of the bench, like you know, a bunch of scrubs, like they're they, they can't do anything. And then like they'll run into them at their local gym and they'll get destroyed by them. And they're like, Oh, I didn't think you were that good. And I was wow. like, This guy's in the NBA, bro. Like, this is like <laughs> an exclusive club. Like, you know, he might not look great compared to like the other pros that he's playing against, but he he will take you to take you to the cleaners any day of the week, you know, at yep. your local gym if, if that's what you want to test yourself against. That's something that I think um like uh for fighting games in particular like they're designed to make you look cool while you're doing them and so if you get beat up if you're on the losing end of it and, and someone's like styling on you or just even doing a basic combo on you like to the layman it looks like you're getting your ass beat and in reality sometimes it's just you know these games end in the rounds end in like three and a half guesses on average to an optimized player so it's like you know like if you guess wrong three times does that make you like it gives a really false impression, I think, of someone's skill level. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you'll you'll notice that on the stream here, uh, we've got a series of different matches throughout your your fighting game career uh, playing in the background. I believe the one that's currently on is uh, one from Alaska. Uh, and yeah, I was like looking at this, player. and I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you were I, looking through some stuff for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we've got enough for the entirety of the show. It might loop back <laughs> around to the Daigo match eventually. <laughs> oh, but um, I like so this will all be playing in the background as we go. Um, but uh, a lot of stuff has also happened like in in the past week or so regarding uh, three out of five discourse. Just to get into the news a little bit here. Um, yeah. And specifically, it was it was. Uh, punk i believe who posted saying that street fighter 6 uh is very much a like it's it's a high damage game and so maybe it should be three out of five i think i think ultimately it's the dude was just thinking out loud but the fgc kind of like got hold of it and what's really unique about this particular discussion is it's not really gameplay oriented it's everyone's got a valid opinion i think on three out of five versus two out of three so i was curious yeah. about like what your stance on that was benny uh, well, I mean, as a, you know, I've been, I've been on both sides of this, right. In terms of a tournament organizer and then also as a player. So like, I guess I'll start with kind of with like the TO side. So like from the TO side, like, uh, I guess the biggest, biggest concern a lot of the times is like worrying about like your attendees, like your local attendees versus viewers. And I think for locals, like maybe years ago, it wasn't as big of a deal, right. Because like, it's just the people that are there. Right. Versus nowadays, like even the smaller locals, people want to see those other scenes. And yeah, so you've got viewers to cater to. So you've got to think about um, a couple things with that, because for the locals or I mean, even the viewers themselves, you got to think about the runtime. Right. Like how many people are in attendance? Like, is this going to make my tournament run a lot longer than I expected? Having everybody do three out of five, depending on how many setups I have and all this other stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you have the other side where. 
um, when it comes to like streaming matches for like the viewers, if you're doing three out of fives, if you're trying to get done in a timely manner, like that means less of those matches are going to get streamed. So it's like, you know, which which side of that are you going to choose between, uh, you know, what you're going to show on stream? How much is that going to how much is that going to hold up your tournament? If it's like, hey, this is a new game. A lot of people want to see some of these top name players that are here, you know, from our scene. Yeah. But, you know, how can I how can I balance like holding up the bracket and holding up all this and, you know, us having the three out of five? Yeah, that makes sense. Like even at the local level, it's like, hey, there's somebody that, uh, you know, they don't ordinarily they just made their first top eight and, you know, they don't ordinarily get stream time. Um, Mm -hmm. But if that time is being taken by three out of five for the rest of the rest of the bracket, you know, they might not. I don't know. It's just like it's it's also like less of an opportunity for more players to show up, right on the yeah. on the big stream. Makes sense. Yeah, and then it's like it's like the the other thing too is like, you know, there's there's definitely. I mean, it's easy to look at the look at the the damage now, right, and think that it's high, but typically at the launch of a game, like damage seems high because for me, like I look at it as like people haven't exactly established like defense or learning how to deal with certain things at the beginning, right? Sure. So they might be getting hit by things initially that, you know, maybe a month down the line, they'll be like, oh, I know how to deal with this now versus, you know, oh, this is a cross up or this isn't a cross up, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I would take it a step further and say that games nowadays are even are balanced around um, having high damage out of the gates just because of the games that didn't have high damage, like and resulted in a lot of time overs like those games tended mm. to die pretty quickly they tended to get poor, yeah. poor reputations um yeah so, exactly like you think of like cross tekken um yep. marvel vs infinite was like that initially too right when people yeah. were still trying to like figure out how to how to really maximize damage in that and optimize yep. damage it was like man we're just going to timeouts all the time this is kind of kind of weak yep and particularly coming off of marvel 3 it was like you know when everybody died in one combo you know, the audience <laughs> was expecting something like that to happen. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, the, it, it turns into the game is slow or the game is boring. Um, so, yeah, yeah. we. Just, so I think nowadays, like I saw it particularly with Strive, um, is that the damage was so high to kind of keep it high octane and prevent mm-hmm. those situations from happening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because when I think of like Marvel Infinite, right? Like there was, you know, combos were long, right? Yeah. But eventually, people like you know, they once they get op- things optimized, like a lot of stuff looks the same, right? Or they're going for the same setups, you know. It's just like oh, knockdown into into this mixup or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I kind of liken it to if the damage isn't high enough, I kind of liken it to like uh, like kung fu movies, like American audiences in particular, like. They they don't like these kind of long drawn out kind of battles that happen. Like they want things that are kind of quick and to the point, right? And cameras are up close, like the dynamic camera angles and stuff like that. And like that's what I think about when I see these like cinematic ultras and supers and stuff, right? Okay. Whereas if you watch like a like a classic kung fu movie, like some of those fights, like they're going like ten minutes, and some people are just like, man, I can't stomach all this. I don't need to see all this. Like they just want to see what happens and see what you know who lost, who won, or who lost, and that's it, right? Just move on. Okay, that's interesting. I I never thought of it like that. As far as like you you want like like really like a quick bursts of of action, I guess for yeah. pacing for an audience. Um, in, in in a kung fu movie, I even thought about it in like a, from a film standpoint. <laughs> that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
Very cool. So like overall then, do you think, are you in favor of doing, or I guess just from the tournament organizer perspective, would you do a two out of three, a three out of five bracket for the entirety of the bracket or, or even for Street Fighter six, let's just get down to brass tacks here uh, at Street Fighter six at launch two out of three or three out of five. I would say I would start out with two out of three and because the other thing is like I don't want to establish a standard just yet. Got it. Right. So like I would do two out of three and then maybe three out of five for like top eight winners or like the the winner losers grand finals kind of kind of thing. And then those are the only three out of five sets. And that way, you know, we can kind of get a baseline to see see how things are going first. Right. Like does, does this do you guys think that this warrants three out of five? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to establish three out of five out the gate. And then a month down the line, I'm like, you know, you know what, guys, this is taking way too long, blah, blah, blah. We got to we got to switch it back. And then, you know, people are going to be upset about that because I feel like that that would be more negative than for me to go from two out of three and then be like, you know what? Everything's going to be, you know, three out of fives now. That makes sense. Yeah. So like um, like it's a lot harder to put the put the uh, uh put it back into the box or you know to undo it yeah. to take it back than it is to just wait a little bit <laughs> yeah kind of wait it out and just be like you know what you know i have been thinking about that guys i've been keeping track of run times or whatever you know you know let people know you know what your thought the kind of thought process is really instead of just you know jumping the gun right away sure do, do you see the merits of from, like from the player standpoint though um is that like what like because there's two parallel arguments going on right here there's the pragmatic one around tournament organizing schedules um and by and large everyone kind of thinks that two out of three is going to be better uh for that but then from the player standpoint they're having a kind of debate about whether or not two out of three actually three out of five actually has an impact on the matches and yeah well i mean it just it depends because like i know especially with 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 like the top players right the biggest worry is always excuse me um Am I going to get random out, right? Mm-hmm. And that one extra win, that could be the difference between making me making the adjustment in time to ultimately win versus, oh, man, I didn't know how to deal with this Zangief, you know, mix-up or whatever, this yeah. vortex that's happening. And it's just like if I had one more, you know, or a couple more games, like, you know, I'm sure I could have beat this guy. You know, see me see me after the match. Let's money match or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, yeah. It, it, but to me, that's typically the, the the main thing that people are are looking at. It, it trickles all the way down to matchups and character tier lists, even right where like mm-hmm. you know, my, if I play like a high high stakes grappler character, you know, I would think that they would prefer a two out of three. I think there there are some players that'd be like, no, I want more time to read my opponent. But like yeah. for a lot of mid level players, it's going to be like you know, I I want that. I want to just get that grappler juice going and then not have to. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. have to get figured out midway through the set, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's definitely situations where, like, you know, people go up to zero, and then all, all of a sudden it's just like, okay, I figured this out now. And then they lose, and you're just like, man, if this was first to two, I would have advanced in the bracket. And just like, well, it's not, so. <laughs> Do you think that it's a statement about the game as far as, like, if it needs to be... Th- I've, I've seen the argument of, like, if it's three out of five, then the game's too random in the first place and uh do you do you agree with that kind of assessment that like if, a, if the more sets that the game needs the the more random it is or is it just kind of whatever <laughs> i mean yeah i don't know i don't think that in the end i don't think that that really matters i mean it's just like i always feel like you know the, the better player would typically win regardless if it's a two two or a first to three right and uh you know knowing 
I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't know how everybody's every every player's mindset is, but I know some people might approach a first to three differently than they would a first to two. Like they might see if they have like a backup character, for instance, right? You might be like, okay, maybe I like this character better for this matchup. A first to three gives me a chance to at least try this for one round and see how it goes or buys me a couple games. Uh, Whereas a first to two wouldn't like, I'm not going to take that chance. Makes sense. Um, So I think uh, one, there's another opinion that I saw on the internet, friend of the show, Scott Saber Bender um, posted on Twitter in response saying that, all events, all online events should be three of five, three out of five, a hundred percent at least. Um, and I think what he's in, implying there is that because there's no constraint as far as setups go, um, mm-hmm. and time to use the setups, uh, yeah. in an online tournament that we could do three out of five. What would your opinion be for yeah. an off online event? Yeah, for for online events, I I would agree with that. Like, I don't see a real problem with that because. Like I said initially, like with the local events, right? You're you're bound to like the number of setups you have and your number of attendees. Mm-hmm. With online tournament, like you don't have that constraint in terms of a lack of setups. You know, a lot of stuff can be going on in the background. You know, as long as somebody's pushing through and making sure matches are getting done, like a lot of stuff can be done in the you know the losers bracket, and the bracket can move be moved forward a lot a lot quicker than it could be done on a local tournament. Because I mean, you know, if you run local tournaments. Uh, you know, there's certain things where it's just like, hey, we get to a certain point in the winners bracket where we can't advance, and then the le- or, or you know, and the the losers bracket is holding things up. Like we need to push through a bunch of these matches real quick. Like you end up asking people to play back to back to back, and like, hey, are you okay to play again? Are you okay to play again? You yeah. know, and online, I mean, you can you should basically kind of expect that. Okay, that makes sense. Um... And then the the last question I had in regards to this topic is the um, the CPT rules uh, for Street Fighter Five were that you know two out of three until top eight, and then top eight is three out of five. And because CPT was ingrained in all the majors, like that kind of ended up being the policy for uh, the FGC and for Street Fighter Five at least. And the top eight is three out of five. Um, yeah. What would your opinion be on that carrying over to six? Um, that I would be okay with. Cause I mean, if it's just the top eight to start, I mean, again, like, you know, that's, that's kind of like, I guess it's kind of the standard that I'd want to start with to begin with is kind of top eights. Uh, cause I'm not, I guess I'm just not a huge fan of the, the, the winners, losers, grand finals one. Um, cause I feel like if you've gotten to that point already, then it's like, you know, this is this has been for for years. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess it might change now with the whole top six thing, right? At Evo. Oh but, yes. yeah, with the yeah. top eight, you know, top eight's been traditional, like this is the this is the chopping block for, you know, did you you know, did you do well this tournament, right? For a lot of people. It's like did I make the top eight? Sure. So it's just like, you know, I feel like at that point, okay, let's let's standardize things and let's make everybody uh play uh first to threes at that point. I just yeah, I just realized that Evo is going to be kind of weird if to say they they keep the CPT rule set at the same mm-hmm. for six, like, and it's top eight, but then Evo finals day is only on only for top six. Like, do you just play the last the first match of top eight? It's three out of five on day two. That's going to be really <laughs> interesting, right? Because like you're going to be there's going to be a bunch of people crowded around the setup and then or yeah. around the stream station or whatever, and they're going to be like, okay, now this set is three out of five. You just played top, through yeah. top 32 and top 16, two out of three. But this one set, 
it's gonna be top three uh, it's gonna be three out of five <laughs> that's gonna be weird <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in to see how that even goes or you know if other if other tournaments are gonna end up trying to establish that as kind of their their standard going forward too mm. yeah but, because, I don't know, we'll side, see because oh, the other side of it is like um like our locals like you know i it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for a local to be only eight players anyway in which case mm. are you running the entire thing three out of five <laughs> yeah that's uh-huh. true I, but at that point it's also it's like hey i only have eight people here might as well right <laughs> yeah so yeah that, that's yeah that's where you end up like oh let's just do the round robins anyway guys <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be i think locals are gonna have their own unique problems solved there but majors and they're gonna take cues from majors uh but i i feel like if you're if your scene is going to be under 60 it, like i would say if your tournament's under 16 entrants uh then yeah. probably stick to two out of three um yeah so yeah you know again like this is you've got a really unique perspective here both as a player and as a tournament organizer and um you know and uh i've been listening to a lot of previous episodes lately um a lot of times a lot of times because like we went on a vacation and i didn't have internet connection on the plane this is all i had to listen to (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh i remember we had we had t dot on and it was a tournament organizer uh uh, like a to kind of centric episode and uh-huh. i think i asked that question i asked the question of t dot that i you know i would have liked to have asked of you at the time and it's that you know with our with street fighter 6 coming out and with tekken 8 coming out and with mortal Kombat, you know being announced this for this year you know the fighting game scene is about to enter a new generation uh which means new yeah. tournament organizers i think are going to pop up and if you had to give one piece of advice to an aspiring tournament organizer in our local scene uh what would you tell them oh man that's a that's a loaded question <laughs> that's why i said only you only have to do one <laughs> uh, i had to do one yeah hmm i don't know man it's like so so many things that i'm thinking about because like i know when i started teoing like the biggest thing for me was just like running a tight ship in terms of like time because that was the biggest reason that i that we started doing it was because things were running super late i had to work early in the morning the next day and you know it was just one of those things where it's just like there's no reason this should be taking this long so it's like i don't know i would say try to establish that as a as a standard for yourself and for what you're doing because like you know it's 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 something that you you literally have control over in terms of like dqing people and ensuring people are at your venue and and doing all that stuff and it's something that um i think in the long run is probably gonna you know it it's just gonna be beneficial for you to kind of just you know know how to keep things running and keep keep things running efficiently like keep an eye on the bracket see see which matches need to be done to advance things or what's holding it up look at the the matchups and say hey what do i want on stream and start you know organizing those people and say hey you guys are going to be on stream next instead of allowing people to run off right and just be like hey we're so and so we need them on stream and like you know you have your your commentators sitting there trying to trying to kill time for you as you get things set up when you know when if you were running a tighter ship you had things had things running smoother like you know those are those are those are things that you would minimize and not have not be a problem for you sure if uh, are do you have any like I guess life hacks for lack of a better phrase, like, 
you know how like we had scott on in the previous episode and then you basically uh-huh. asked him you were like you know uh if i wanted to reduce my input lag like what would be the number one thing i could do uh, i have the same yeah, question for you if i want if i wanted to reduce my tournament time what would be the number one thing i would do get some good help like ah. you know it's like you could do things by your, i could i could run a tournament by myself with my eyes closed right now if i wanted but i mean that that comes with what 12 years of experience you know doing it doing things myself you know doing things but if you've been to a tournament where i'm at like usually my family's there and i've had my kids run brackets and i've had my kids my wife run brackets and it's just like you know if it wasn't them like i would employ some other help you know other people that i know that i could rely on to that understand like how the bracket should be run you know aren't afraid to to yell and find somebody and do those kind of things and you know get things moving okay it's not a one-man show basically yeah it's definitely not a one-man show i mean it can be if you want to if you want that added stress or whatnot or if you want all the credit or whatever but like you know you want to run you run if you want to run a good show then like yeah get some get some good help i wholeheartedly agree with that one yeah (laughs) there's nothing (laughs) wrong with delegating duties to people and just like you know as long as there, there are people that you can rely on and then uh that you trust to do do a good job then uh, you know, I think it's, I think, I don't think you can get any, how would I say that? I don't think you can not get enough help. Cause even like, you know, I think about like Armando and running undefeated, right? Mm-hmm. Like he basically put street fighter in my hands and it's just like, could he have done it too? I mean, I'm sure he could have, he wanted to and run himself ragged, you know, trying to play, trying to TO the Marvel side and, you know, keep people happy on that side. But, you know, anytime I'd ask him questions and like, hey, what do you want me to do about this? He would be like, that's yours. Like, you do whatever you think is best. I trust you. And I was just like, okay. Nice. Um, all right. Shifting to the player perspective here. I had a question for you as far as, um, you, know, I, you know, Street Fighter Six is coming out. And I yeah. think you and I have both taken very differing paths as far as preparing for the game goes um like i'm going to be playing an open beta this weekend i'm really excited to do that uh, i was curious are you going to be uh partaking in open beta uh i would like to i was i was planning to um right now like my, my days off are switching over to because it's going through what is it is it through this starting friday this weekend or saturday yeah i guess given your hours it would be uh you know eleven fifty nine <laughs> on thursday night until <laughs> 11:59 on Sunday night. Oh, that's going to be rough then. I mean, I could probably sneak in some time in during the daytime cuz you know, working nights, but um I don't know how much how much time I'd really have. I mean, if anything, if I do get some time, I think I might just try different character cuz like uh the limited time that I had before, I basically just played Guile. Mm. And yeah. Um so I might just I don't know who else I would play though. Maybe Chun-Li cuz like I have no interest in like Ryu or Luke. And like they're in the demo anyway, so it's like why play them in the beta unless that's who I plan to like main or I really want to like try out some optimized combos or something. So yeah, if you have any questions about Chun Li, I can help. <laughs> There's yeah. honestly you can play a you can play a fireball DP game like you can play her pretty similar to Guile. It's just instead of yeah. flash kick, you just do down down kick, and it's pretty <laughs> legit. Um, it it was it was good enough to get under Jeff's skin at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that I mean, I, that and I, the other thing, like I don't know if I'm really gonna play right now anyway, because like I kind of like strained sprained my wrist uh, probably like a week or so ago. I saw so that you had, a, you had a wrist brace on yesterday at your birthday thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, 
so I, I haven't really i haven't been playing any fighting games at all lately just kind of like trying to get that rested up and like i figure like it's probably better just not play and just wait another two weeks and let myself uh be better by then sure so two weeks passes and you know street fighter 6 launches um again i mentioned that we have had kind of differing ways of preparing for it and one one way is that uh you've been kind of trying to stay dark on a lot of the the uh the promotional material and the media and stuff like in the same way that like you know hey i have a movie that's coming out that i really want to see i don't want i don't want to watch trailers for it that kind of stuff right um yeah so you know obviously for 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 me i've been absorbing all of it quite a bit and you know pouring (laughs) over it and so like my first thing is going to be training mode when i get the game um but i was curious about like what are the first things you're going to try when when street fighter 6 comes out uh me typically like usually what i'll do is i just i just jump into trials because like i want to see yeah i want to see what the characters uh because like you know i I mean it's one thing to go into training or yeah training mode and then look through command lists right and just kind of like okay this is how i do this move this is how i do do this move but uh i'm hoping the trials at least give you some idea of like you know how to combo things or like situations where that i should be looking for right uh so i'll probably jump into that with uh with sim sim and honda and kind of just get a get a feel for like you know what they're trying to do with them or how i you know how i should approach the game at at a very basic level okay so say you you complete the trials for sim and honda are you going to immediately take them online from there are you going to try to do more trials for different characters like what what happens after that um i don't know i'd probably uh especially since my son started to play now um (laughs) he's planning to play geef i might just try to run some games against him just to kind of we both get a kind of feel for like what we should be doing or or you know movement that kind of stuff because you know again it's one thing to jump into training mode against you know ai level eight or whatever you want to play against and you know try to figure things out that way but you know i I think it would be beneficial for both of us like to kind of just jump in and just be like all right you know do you do you feel like you're in a good enough place or you know you have a basic understanding of what the hell you're supposed to do all right let's you know let's just just let's let's just let's do throw this. down <laughs> yeah exactly <Okay. laughs> um that, that was actually my next question was um you know because your son is probably gonna be playing with you like are you are you guys gonna be sharing a single copy do you have one setup or are you gonna do you, you both have your sticks ready to go like uh well right now we just got the one setup um i was actually thinking because i don't have a i don't have a playstation 4 anymore but I was actually thinking about possibly getting it for Xbox because I have a, uh, I think I have a stick that works for that for the Xbox One. If not, like I don't know. Um, usually, like you know, the times that I'm sleeping, he's got, he's got time to be up and during the daytime and play. So it's not really going to conflict with with too much, I think. Sure, it's it's just a, a very unique problem to have, I think, for the first time ever, right? That yeah. your kid is going to want to play the game that you that you're playing, and you guys might be fighting over it at launch. <laughs> yeah i don't know i think if it comes down to it i mean you know part of me always kind of has that online and that kind of arcade kind of mentality where i want to play other people and kind of test how i am but i feel like i don't know i guess i'm kind of in a different place where uh the fact that he wants to play this so it kind of gives me a reason to i guess teach him at the same time and then also you know he's gonna he's gonna develop his own play style too and like if it's anything like how i played him in other games it's kind of like there's gonna be online people that play just like him and it's like you know there's 
sometimes just uh, going for the big move or, you know, I, I could see setups from, you know, some setups from like a mile away. I was like, oh, I know what you're trying to do, that kind of thing. So it's just like, yeah, uh, you know, part of it's going to be like a learning process for him, too. And just like, like, yeah, that might work one time, but no, no, not anymore. I um, that's something interesting, too, is that uh, like you were streaming Hearthstone yesterday and I popped in for a little bit. I would totally be down to watch an excellent adventure style thing with you and your son playing ranked <laughs> matches together. I think that would be hilarious and pretty informative just to see like how you would teach your son essentially. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. That'd be, I think that would be kind of a cool, cause I've been, I've been kind of debating the whole idea of even streaming six because like, I don't know, just like even streaming like the older games, it was kind of like, it was more for myself, right. Than anything else. Sure. And you know, it wasn't a matter of like, hey, I'm going to build an audience because I'm just like, there's so many people streaming this game. Like, you know, I'm yeah. not worried about growing a crowd or anything like that. Who wants to watch me play kind of thing? But that'd be a that'd be an interesting way to to kind of take, you know, go after it. Yeah. Hell, we could even maybe do like an absolute guard podcast of that, I think. Have, <laughs> have G on and be like, G, just play in the background and we'll coach you. <laughs> we'll, we'll watch and stream it and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Now that you now that you bring that up, I think that's gonna be part of my initial things. Other than the trials, it's probably just gonna be like versus training mode with him and kind of really getting him to kind of understand the the value of certain normals. Because I feel like that's something that's lost on a lot of new players. Is like you want to hit fierce, right? That's the one that does the most damage, right? But then you don't understand recovery and you don't understand uh, getting punished for doing stuff like that. Do you think he's going to listen to you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It depends on how much he's going to want to lose, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, so you're likely going to be like his first like pillar or mentor uh, as a fighting yeah. game player. Um, and, you know, a couple a couple of shows ago, we had Mike Thompson on, uh, Th AZ Thrasher. And uh, he kind of, the centerpiece of his biography episode was the three pillars or mentors that he's had over the years. Uh, mm -hmm. and like particularly around his fighting game upbringing. And I was wondering if, uh, if you like grandmaster B both as a player and as a tournament organizer, um, do you have like pillars or mentors or anybody that like you would kind of attribute a lot of your, your successes to man? I was like, there weren't people that I played and like trained against like regularly. I mean, you know, I went to tournaments and like I went to like the casual sessions we'd have, and I, you know, I'd play whoever was was there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There wasn't really anybody like that for me. Like I had, I probably had more rivals than anything. Like you know, rivals, demons, or what would have you. That people were that would just beat me, and like I would try to learn how to how to deal with them, right? And um, I guess a lot of it was more observing than anything. Like I would see how people, how certain people would approach matchups or playing against certain players. And then I would kind of try to, I guess, put the, incorporate that into my game. Okay. Do you have like an example of somebody that you would, you X copied? Um, hmm. Well, well, I'd say that, um, I'd say, well, I would say one person that was kind of a, a mentor in a way. He was more like, kind of like a, a coach type player like he was an older guy in our scene um so in alaska there's the uh the kitsch panics uh there's three brothers 
um the younger one's kind of like the prodigy he's the he's the one that was like my main rival in game like did all the option selects and stuff that's that's i think i talked about that before it was like he's the one that i learned about option selects by getting destroyed by his option selects <laughs> and i was like how is this always working right and then the other one was like uh bombi he he joined the scene later and he picked up viper right off the bat in four which you know was kind of like oh man you're gonna play viper like this is a complicated character kind of thing right but you know he developed his own kind of thing and then they had their older brother Bo, and i would say in a way he became a mentor because there were times where he would you know just chime in about a certain thing and like why would you do this or you know uh do this in this situation instead and like i mean i don't know i can't really think of examples like exactly but i do like one thing that always was ingrained in my mind was like there was a big uh well in alaska like we had, we didn't really have like huge tournaments right so we had a like an anime convention called SenshiCon, and pretty much like everybody would go there and you know all the top players that in our scene like there was somebody that was running gaming they would run a street fighter tournament and the first SenshiCon that i went to i made it pretty far and i could have made top three and who was standing in my way was Bo, and oh. If I remember right, I think he was playing Fei Long. And um, I remember losing by, because I walked up and I think I tried the Ochium or something or something like that. And I just remember losing and like for, it was almost like the situation here with like like the, the B-League stuff where I had lost and I was just like, man, I was like, I was this close to making top three because top three was going to be done in front of like the whole whole crowd of people. Like they had a stage set up and everything and nice. all these people were going to watch, right? So like that was like what I was looking forward to, and then when I lost, I was just like I held on to that for like a whole year, and I was just like, man, I wanted to make that top three, and so the next year, I think I got put in the losers like super early, and like he wasn't, I don't think he played that year, but I got put in the losers like super early, and I had to make this crazy losers run, and I ended up making it into that top three, and nice. the whole time it wasn't like I didn't think about the fact that I made it, it was the fact that like I missed out on it last year but I made it this time and like, I, I don't know that, that always, that one loss kind of always stuck with me, you know, back to back then because of like who it was too. And the fact that like, it kind of put things in perspective was like, okay, I'm not ready for this moment yet mm -hmm. in that kind of sense. It, it's like that feeling of like, you should have been up there. Right. But for one, for yeah. one reason or another, you weren't and trying to figure out why that was, I think. Um, yeah, like I made the wrong decision and like, you know, that, you know, it's one of those things like you replay, you know, you replay those kind of situations in your head. It's like, man, if I would have done something, to, if I would have done this differently, like I, I you know, I would have been in a whole different place. Yeah, that that recontextualizes your Daigo uh, story a little bit, too, because, um, you know, with with SenshiCon and with, you know, True Grit B-League, like you did have a chance the following year. Um, yeah. But for the Daigo thing, like you weren't going to get another shot at it realistically, as far as like getting in the yeah. same pool as him, having the opportunity to play him a uh, third round. And that would be the round that would be streamed on that giant ass stage. Like lightning had to strike yeah. for that to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I would have had to level up like tremendously in the next year or so. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, any any other pill pillars you can think of? Not, again, not necessarily mentors, but just like even rivals that push you push you really far. Anybody you want to give flowers to? Um, I don't know. In this scene in particular, like I feel like I don't know. There's so many parallels between like how I started in both scenes because 
um, like in Alaska, right? Like I, um, I said this many times. Like I went to that first tournament not knowing anybody other than the random person I met. You know, I saw him, like the photo on the website, right? And I befriended him at FedEx because we both worked there, and I, and I recognized him from there. And then we both went to the tournament, and I go to the tournament, I get second place, and I, you know, I was, I was stoked, right? I was just like, I went to this place, I got second place, whatever. Like, yeah, like this, this is great. And the same kind of thing happened here because when I moved here, I went to a Ranbet, the, the Hasbats, and I got third place. Like I came here, I beat like at the time it was Ernest, it was Isaac. Like I, I don't know where that stream video is now, but like that was a great moment for me, right? Like I, I was with Mr. S and K. Like it was just like, hey, we're going to this Ranbet, and I go there and I'm like going through all these people, and he's just like, you know. I'm real proud of myself. I told my friends in Alaska, hey, I'm going to be on the stream. I, they're in the stream, like, talking me up and stuff. And, like, that was great. And then, like, the only people I lost to was Latif and Mr. SNK. And for me, I was just, like, I was stoked. I was just, like, I just came into the scene. I just, you know, went through a whole bunch of people. And the two people I lost to is basically my mentor in Mr. SNK. And then Latif, who was, you know, the best player here. So, I was like, I, to me, I had nothing to nothing to be ashamed about. I was like, okay, yeah. like, you know, I can, I can hold my own over here. And then I think at that time I had, I was able to go to like one more tournament and then I had to kind of be out of the scene. Cause I had to work like my work schedule conflicted horribly with everything. So I just made the decision to not participate. But then when I came back, like I got humbled, humbled real quick. Cause all of a sudden, like, you know, Ernest and Isaac and everybody else were playing so much better. And like, you know, I, I had been out of the game and I was just like, Man, this is a lot tougher than I remember. You know that kind of that kind of uh, reality reality kicked in for me. So I don't know. It's just like just thinking about it. It's just weird how like so much of that kind of like paralleled each other in terms of like you know doing really well to start and then kind of being yeah. humbled and put in my place kind of thing and then having to build myself back up. But yeah, I, I think that's pretty much the the shonen anime kind of arc for, for a lot of players really like uh because yeah. yeah like i i feel like you probably lit a fire in everybody that you played against uh, that day yeah. right and then yep. they probably went home and start lab the match up match up out and you know tried to be a little bit more yeah. meticulous the next time they played you and then from then on it's on you to adapt and push yourself further beyond that right once you get figured out yeah. like what what do you do with that right yeah that and i'm sure there was that kind of mentality too like you almost have when you play somebody that's not like the because you know because you guys had mr snk here right who was the the, the best honda player here yeah. so for me to come in you know there was probably they were probably maybe underestimating me and thinking oh well he's probably not as good as him sure. right maybe came into the the match thinking that and then were surprised by things that i did or maybe i was just unorthodox and didn't play anything like him and they were just like yeah. why is he doing stuff like you know that this isn't he's not supposed to do this kind of stuff where my so, my mind goes, because like I, I remember SNK was like the only Honda player for pretty much the entirety of uh, Vanilla Super and uh, AE, um, yeah. and even and like like I think that's when you when you started showing around was AE, um, yeah. and like so I fully believe that the people in our scene weren't did not prepare for Honda, and that the only preparation they had was Mr. SNK. And so it's very much like what you said, where you played differently than him. And so it's on them for not knowing the matchup and what the character was capable of and limiting the scope of what they thought Honda was capable of to what SNK could do. 
Yeah. Um, and the to, to set the scene even further, because it was AE, you know, that was still around the era where we just didn't respect online. I think there's maybe like one or two players that really did. And so when we say SNK was the only Honda, like that was literally true and that the other players <laughs> wouldn't yeah. play online. So they weren't going to get the Honda experience, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that in a lot of ways that you, you end up, ended up growing the scene in that regard. Cause then everybody started practicing that Honda matchup a little bit more. It probably made, <laughs> it probably made Nico a better player in the process. Cause it, yeah. it probably made it, made the matches a little harder for him too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess cool. in like the the AZ scene for sure. Like, yeah, Mister SNK was was a mentor for me. Like, that was that was long actually before I even got here in terms of like the the Shoryuken, the SRK forums, and you know finding out who he was and uh, the tech and you know learning about frame traps and uh, safe jumps and stuff like that. You know things that I had never thought about and expanding my game in that sense. So yeah, he's always been a mentor for me in that sense. And then um, I guess in terms of like the TO side, um, I'd have to say I'd have to say Abe and yeah. like Steve, like Nitro Frost, um, Nitro Frost. Just in terms of like uh, always seeing them run stuff uh, and you know running running things efficiently. Uh, you know, always seem to have have the 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 players and the the local attendees in mind and like you know making sure you know they're on top of things. So, Agreed. you know, I, cause I didn't, I didn't help, I didn't help run things or do anything myself for the first couple of years, just because I didn't really have the the capacity or the time to do that. Right. Yeah. I, I pretty much had time to show up and it's just like, okay, when am I going to be eliminated? I'm out. Right. And it wasn't until years later, once, you know, things were established here that I was just like, okay, now I can, now I can help out or I can, I can be here for a longer time and I can help, help run things or do whatever. Yeah. You had a, you had you know three kids like i think you had just had g around the time when we were uh when, oh, when, when i moved here playing, yeah he was right? like two years old yeah he was, was two, like two okay. years old when we got here yeah. two three yeah <laughs> two-year-old yeah you're not going to be able to do that and play <laughs> fighting games competitively and run tournaments at the same time yeah oh man okay that makes sense so so mr snk Bo, um uh, lots lots of and then from the tournament organizing side like we've had abe on the show um and yeah. he's he's given us his history. Um, Nitro Frost, we don't talk about him very much for a, a variety of reasons, I guess. Like he's he doesn't he's not. We haven't had him on the show yet, uh, and he's always been in the background as far as a he, he like he wasn't really like a uh, top player per se, or didn't really have that presence like being on the streams. But he was always in the background. He was always like running the brackets and uh, running the events, and then promoting the events. I think he like had a. He he did his own like reveal streams and stuff for his Rambats. Uh, I thought that yeah. was always really cool. Um, and yeah, he's by far like the most tenured, I think, fighting game organizer nowadays in our scene. Um, yeah. Because I think like I I ran things for like two years, and I think that you know you you run the you run one off tournaments, and you you've contributed with to undefeated and whatnot. And Steve like has been doing it for like. Yeah, he's been doing six or seven bats, years now. Uh, helping, yeah. helping with helping whoever. Yeah, undefeated, helping, helping Abe with stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, he's been he's been all over the place. And then, like I said, I always talk about him, like in terms of being a Phoenix biggest uh, supporter and trash talker. Like you talk oh, yeah. about him being in the background, and that's what I think about all the time. Is like when I'm when I've played and I hear him in the background, like rooting yeah. beyond and talking talking trash back with Abe. Like, 
he always had like the play the top player mentality which is really interesting too because he he's he's, he knew that he knew that he was too busy to actually play in the tournaments that he was running but he had the the top player mentality and so he would give people so much shit all the time (laughs) he'd be he'd be coach as well as to i think Um, yeah so that yeah that's those are some some decent uh some pretty decent dudes pretty pretty strong tournament organizers and uh you know players in their own right um and i just uh i hope we have a chance to talk more about nitro frost in the future i literally just saw him yesterday uh at <laughs> yeah, party. Yeah. so yeah. maybe maybe we'll get him to come on the show someday <laughs> yeah we'll see okay very cool um so the next question i had for you uh, uh you mentioned earlier you, you talked about uh the os gentleman from uh from alaska right who was doing all the the, the prodigy uh, who's doing yeah, all yeah, the that's, OSs, that's right? banky, banky aka banksters yeah yeah, and um, you you did mention him on the Street Fighter Duel episode, and mm-hmm. I happened to be listening to that one recently too. Uh, and one of the questions that, or one of the stories that I told was uh, how Honda reminded me of Mister S and K helping me beat uh, John Itty, who was a Honda training partner of his. And uh-huh. I I kind of rethought about that story a little bit and thought, you know, I kind of put Nico in a weird spot where. Because you 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 actually had the revelation on the show that you guys have a, your own uh, Facebook group called the Bathhouse, right? So it's not just <laughs> yeah. that like you guys were, it's not just that like you guys were training partners, like you guys were like talking regularly and and and, and like trading strats with the with the character. So yeah. you know, Nico basically had to draw that line and be like, do I help a local or do I you know help my Honda brother? Um, yeah. And so I wanted to pose that same question to you. Um, if you were given that situation and, and specifically now in 2023 where your loyalties are like loyalties change in an increasingly online world right um you know our 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 concept of regions and local scenes is going to be changing um so the scenario is this um a fellow arizonan or alaskan asks you for help against a fellow honda main in street fighter 6 where do your loyalties lie uh i would say it would be with the alaskan or the az guys and yeah. nothing against like I mean I don't know a lot of those like Honda guys on a personal level, but to me part of it's like I don't know this like I feel like you should know the stuff that you'd be dealing with right. Whereas the AZ or the AK guys might not know the matchups as well as as we do. So it's okay. like I don't feel like there's anything that other than like my personal like if I've played you in a match right like if it was you for example right like i could mm-hmm. be like oh well john likes to do this or john likes to do this right so other than telling them that like i don't really think that there's any much i could really kind of give them in terms of uh match of knowledge because i was like you know like i said like i feel like you should know that already so that it, there's not nothing character wise that i could tell you would you give Whereas, it away would you give it away if like you if you if i had a habit where i threw like i maybe i throw text constantly or something would you tell them tell the honda main that i do that uh, yeah, personally, I, I, in that situation, I wouldn't mind because that's like, I mean, you know, we have the group and whatnot. And like, I mean, I don't know how involved I'll be in that in six, but, um, you know, I don't necessarily have loyalties to to the players in there, per se, or the people in there. So that's that's kind of a different situation. Like, I would like I would tell you the opposite, like, oh, well, in this matchup, you know, Honda, you know, don't let him get away with this. Honda can't do this, you know, punish this or whatever. Right. Like, I would I would be OK with telling you guys that. Okay. Whereas the other way around, like I probably wouldn't just I would just been like, 
well, you should know most of this stuff. <laughs> I get you. Okay. Yeah. I, I think we're going to like, so, you, you know, we were talking about the pillars earlier and with, with Nico in particular, there's, there's something to be said about when people pick the same character, it's often a representation of not just like their own creativity and style, but also like their learning style. And so it doesn't seem to be surprising to me that, you know, people group up based on character. Um, yeah. And I forget what my point was with this, but ultimately, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I guess it's when you when when people learn the same way i guess like you kind of build that bond with them and that's kind of why i wanted to test that loyalty particularly like in an yeah. online world you know <laughs> yeah yeah no it's just like I, honestly i thought you were going to ask me about like uh between like ak and az and oh I was yeah like... <laughs> that's a... because i was Ugh. i was put in that situation so uh back in 2016 because um the my alaska friends every time they go to evo they they always want to play like a different scene like in a first to five like a 5v5 actually sure. and so they'll find the whatever scene um you know it's been utah socal norcal whatever and they'll try to organize a 5v5 and um i remember who else oh san diego was one yeah with uh vicious back in the day mm. um so yeah in 2016 leading up to that like we had rented um that was the place that was when it was like at the convention center for the first time right like the, the las vegas convention center yeah that was and the first it wasn't attached to the, five yeah. Though, right yeah it wasn't attached to like a hotel so yeah. like um we ended up staying at this kind of like it was almost like a two-story kind of like lofty kind of place across the street mm -hmm. and um i basically you know they wanted to play the az i think i don't know if it was the az guys that wanted to reach out or i don't know either way like it ended up getting organized and i was like hey you guys can play at our place like we got more than enough room uh my wife made some food and stuff and like you know we just hung out uh and they ended up playing their set and then like you know i wasn't going to be i already i made it point to myself that i wasn't going to be a part of that like i wasn't going to be on either side and if anybody asked me anything about anybody else like i wasn't going to say shit like i wasn't going to choose a side like you know i you know at that point i'd been in arizona for what four years yeah and you know had my alaska friend so i was like you know at this point i was just like you know i want you guys to to you know because to them it's like this is their opportunity to test themselves against another scene so like i didn't want to give them any kind of like leeway against the the az guys and say hey yusuf likes to do this or mocha likes to do this sure and you know same thing with the other way i didn't I, you know i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna turn my back on my ak friends and be like you know what these guys you know this is what they like to do so all in all like you know um, I ended up just yeah, sitting on the sidelines, just observing and taking pictures and stuff and, you know, just really just kind of enjoying the moment and just being happy to see like, you know, I had basically put these two scenes together. Yeah, you bridged. And then like bridged the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. And then and afterwards, like, yeah, we were we were eating adobo and drinking and stuff and everybody was just having a ball after that. So I was just like, this is awesome. Like, this is like the, the best of both worlds for me right now. <laughs> um, so that was 2016. Seven years later, seven years in Arizona later, um, would yeah. you... Would you find yourself? Would you do the do the same thing? Like for Street Fighter Six, there was an AK versus AZ thing. Even if, like, yeah. say, say you were a candidate to be on the team for AZ, would you take it? Uh, for that situation, though, I, I probably wouldn't do it. Like, I, I don't know. I just I can't do it, man. Like that's 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 like where I started, and those are those are like my friends for life. So I'm like, nah. Like I couldn't. Even if they were just like, yeah, we need your need your sim or somebody, I'm like, nah. You know, <laughs> you don't have yeah. to do without. I'm sorry. I um. I, I like at your at your birthday party yesterday. I met somebody named Julian, um, and he had 
he yeah. just moved from Alaska to Arizona like three weeks ago or something. So, oh, no, no. So, so actually, with, so Julian, he's, uh, I met him in Alaska. Uh-huh. So I, this was a basically, I don't know, the, the year or two before I left and I met him there. He had come up from SoCal and uh, he had moved up there for, for work from what I understood, right? Work reasons. Sure. So I met him through the Alaska Gamers group, the AKG group up there because he, you know, he came out and started playing in our tournaments and stuff like that. And then I ended up leaving, you know, that's, and that's what basically the time, like I ended up moving here mm-hmm. and then. I think a year or so later, he ended up moving back to SoCal, and I think there's I think there was a couple evos in between for sure that like we had ran into each other and like seen each other kind of in passing or hung out or whatever. And then um, when I was in SoCal, like I think two years ago, um, I kind of I you know I, uh, I remembered that he was there and like we met up for dinner, what what not, what not. And then he reached out to me earlier this year and was saying, "Hey, you might be moving to Tempe," and I was like, "Oh, really?" So come full circle like yeah now he's here (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was it was real cool for him to come out and like yeah i introduced him to like you know some of the other guys that were there too from the from our scene so uh you know because i you know that's that's what he's he's looking forward to is playing the playing six and getting involved with the scene again so it's just like you know it's a good it's a good icebreaker to get get to know a few people so that you know if he shows up to a place and you know somebody's there like he doesn't doesn't feel out of place necessarily because i mean i don't know if i'm going to be at anything to start with ah Fair enough. Um, like you gotta be like kind of labbing in, rather than than playing in tournaments for a little while, or yeah. Well, at least yeah, on the local level, because I just don't know what what my if I'm gonna be, I guess if I'm gonna have enough sleep during the day. I guess it's just gonna depend on like how that works out. Like, did I get enough sleep today? Can I go out to a tournament today before work, or will I have time afterwards to go home and take a nap or something before I gotta go to work? Because I imagine like most of the stuff's gonna be done on Saturdays, which it's kind of a kind of a bad day for me. But uh, yeah. but anyway, you were talking about like how you had met met him. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I was just kind of making the, the point that you are basically acting as a conduit for for people to, to emigrate to, to Arizona from Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I think I met Justin as well, who's not a fighting game player, but he um he told me like he he lived in Hawaii and Alaska and then and then came here. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 that's that's my uh, that's my oldest friend. That's my best friend. I known him since second grade. So he's basically like a brother to me. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people I think that know know people that long. It's like he jokes around all the time and says like, "I know, I know, I've known you longer than some of my family." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of family, um, I've got one last question on my list here. Um, which of your children is your favorite? No, I'm kidding. My favorite? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, my favorite? Really? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I actually do have like a more fun exercise. Um, so Street Fighter Six comes out. Obviously, we said G's going to play it, but um, yeah. Kaya and maybe Maymay probably won't. But if you could pick a Street Fighter Six main for each of your children, which character would they would they main and why? Uh, is it raining? Um, anyway. Anyways, um, for <laughs> it's raining salt for Kaya. For Kaya, Kaya, my oldest, I would probably say she might play Cammy. Cammy. Um, I don't know if there's a particular reason why, because like she's played some fighting games in the past, and mm-hmm. um, when it comes to Tekken, okay, so there's it's kind of all over the place. So when it comes to Tekken, she's played King. When it comes to Street Fighter, she likes Abuki's design, like yeah, I guess just the 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 new cool. ninja thing. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, when it's come to like 
Um, she liked playing KOF for a little bit, and she liked Nakaruru. So I'm kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could be like, I would, I would, I don't know. I said Cammy just off the top of my head, but female character, maybe Kimberly, okay. maybe Kimberly, but I don't know because in terms of like that or like I don't know, she has this thing with France, so maybe she plays Manon. <laughs> oh, that could work. yeah, yeah. She was, she's go, she was one was go, was gonna go to France a couple of years ago, right? That was like, yeah, thing. yeah, it, yeah. Okay. And COVID kind of destroyed all that, but, but yeah, okay. maybe Milan because she's because she's French. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, How about Maymay? She's she, got the she's got the wheels now, right? <laughs> yeah, with with Maymay, uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I want to lean towards Marissa. Marissa, like, I just I don't know. I just want to lean towards towards that character, like I simple, straightforward, effective style. Yeah, high damage, like yeah, just kind of one of those heavy hitter type type players. I feel like she would just want to play somebody that I guess on surface maybe seems a little I mean, simplistic in a sense, or just kind of you know not anything too complicated. Okay. Um, and then we know we know G is interested in Geef, but. You know, if you had to pick one for him, like it, it wasn't Geef, what would what would your guess be? Um, I definitely have a command grab. That's for sure, because that seems to be. I don't know. I guess that's that's my bloodline is command grabs. It's just like <laughs> I mean, other than me playing Sim, like my favorite part of Honda, other than him just being silly and flying across the screen, was having him having a command grab. He literally um, just won around on the on the video feed we have <laughs> with the command grab. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I'm like, I'd probably say uh, just another command grab character. So maybe I mean I don't know if I had to choose like based on like who they look or how they look and like in terms of like their move sets and stuff. I could see maybe Marissa or uh, who's the other one? I thought there was one more. I'm thinking of Lily uh, as a command grab. Oh, Lily. Uh, no, I think between yeah, if it was Lily Manon, yeah, and uh, Marissa, I'd probably say I, I think he would lead towards Marissa. Like I don't know, he has this thing about just dunking people. Like that was his thing <laughs> in Dragon Ball. Like he wanted to play. I uh, was it Android sixteen or yeah, uh, yeah. He was just like, hey, Dad, check out this TOD, and like he'd be like doing like the the crazy command grab, and I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> do Do you think the G would follow in your footsteps and play Honda? Would you encourage that? Um, I don't know if he would necessarily. I mean, encouragement wise, like, uh, nah, it's not really a big deal. Like, I don't, I don't have any attachment to the fact that, like, oh, you should play him because I play him, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> if he wants to play him, cool. If not, then it's whatever. That's a that's a very respectful parent parental thing there. Let let him car carve his own path, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's that's kind of basically just how we've been been as parents in the in a nutshell really because like you hear about like the typical like asian asian parents right and piano lessons and this and this and like i had a cousin that was kind of like going through that whole thing like did piano lessons and everything i'm just like you got piano lessons like why yeah dude <laughs> just piano or violin <laughs> i mean yeah the kids played violin on their on their own you know on their own volition so it's oh that's like, cool it wasn't anything that we pressed them on it was just like they, they were we're going to go to orchestra and we're going to play violin. Okay. I feel like, so I think we've talked a, a bit like just in chats on this, but like if, for future episodes, we should like, like, like doing an FGC dad episode would be kind of fun. Right. So maybe next time we have a dad on the, on the show, we ask them that same question. What, what, what mean would your <laughs> kids be? 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. A lot of I think a lot of people would look towards like their personalities or sense or like you know kind of like their you look at kind of like their their strengths and weaknesses kind of thing. Like, what do you think would gel with them in terms of like would they play a high execution character? Or would they want something more simple or you know uh, I I don't know. I guess those kind of things. Like, yeah. Like, do you think that they could manage to play a character like this? I've got an image of like an overbearing Asian parent, but rather than forcing them to be <laughs> to be like, hey, play piano, it's no, play Ryu, and you're going to learn some fundamentals. <laughs> you're going to learn Fireball and DP game. <laughs> yeah. That or you're going to learn this high execution. Oh, you drop combo? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the windscreen's got like A, B, and C on, on the stream. Like, we grades you. Why didn't you get all A's? <laughs> Yeah, your technique is C. You just shake your head. Like, oh man! Oh man! Uh, well, uh, yeah, on the screen right now is this uh this mocha latte match. Yeah, this is and the the, the, the story uh, mocha latte match. We, we talked about this one on several episodes, right? This is a big one. Yeah, this is the one from the from the B League. This is the one because I was the only one to beat him. That that uh, yeah. was it. First to sevens we were playing. Yeah, or first to sevens or first to fives. I think the first of fives, yeah. Oh, it's, I, was I the think, only it, was, one I think it was seven. It was seven win by two, I think. Um, was it seven? Oh, okay. Maybe. I, I know oh, I, this, anyway. this video in particular is eighteen minutes long. So. <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the one where like yeah I was the only one to beat him in a set and I could just it was, I don't know it always it always kind of made me laugh when everybody whenever I would like report and then just be like you beat who and I'm just like yeah that was me <laughs> yep. don't act so surprised come on man. <laughs> Because yeah, I played in the same event and I got washed by him, um, and yeah. that was that was a wake up call for me too. Um, I um, I also like prior to this match on the stream right now, we also had uh, a True Grit B League with you versus Chiron, and mm -hmm. I you know I I don't who won that one. The video cut out before the uh, before the end there. Uh, oh, Chiron won that one. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It yeah, seemed pretty and, close and Chiron, from what I saw. Yeah, me and Chiron have always been kind of evenly matched in tournaments and stuff that we've met up for. Like, I beat him at bar fights, but we did a bar fights match. And nice. I think he was coached by Jeff at the time. And then he's beat me in B-League, and I think he took me out in the previous, uh, the first qualifier. He was the one that was in my way that took me out and killed my loser's run. So, yeah, we've had our fair share. But I think we're, I think we're still pretty, pretty evenly matched. I talked to Chiron yesterday at your birthday party, and he mentioned um, that he was interested in playing six. So, do you guys think yeah. you'll rekindle that rivalry and you'll you'll be up against him regularly? Or uh, I don't know. We'll see. Because I, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we've, we basically teamed up when it came to five. We we played. I don't remember playing him much against him. Like I remember teaming up with him in a team tournament. Yeah, it was you, but, uh, you, Chiron, and Mike. You guys were team scumbag. I remember yeah, that team, shit. Uh, no, it was a. Uh, Two scumbags and the gentleman. That's oh. our team name. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And the, the question was who was the gentleman, and nobody, you couldn't tell which one who was the gentleman. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh man. That actually. Yeah, that, I, mean, I don't know. That reminds me of another question scared. I wanted to ask you though: is that uh, you mentioned you know Saturdays aren't going to be a good day for you to play, but like, are you still going to play online? Are you going to play? like like nightly or like what like the you know the night matches that we're gonna play like battle lounge matches with the locals and stuff will we um, see yeah, there i was i was i was looking to do that yeah and then um i guess the the one thing i've been kind of just thinking about is whether i want to do something like on monday nights like you know because you know it's one of those things it's like people are just like well why is this done on monday nights or why is this done on this day and, yeah. it's, and it's literally because this is what works for my schedule 
And it's like, whether it works for you or not, like, that's not my problem. And that's kind of how I've always dealt with kind of events. It's just like, I'll put, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to do what works for me ultimately. And, you know, if Saturdays don't work for me, probably for the rest of this year, who knows how long. And, you know, I might do something on Mondays, uh, maybe online and try to organize that just so uh, for something for me to do uh, on that side if, if I want to. But, you know, I don't know. I've been thinking about that. Some of my favorite memories of, of Street Fighter Five were like when because we we have, we've been in a group chat together for eight years now at this point. I think. <laughs> we, formed, we formed that for Street Fighter Five, if I recall correctly, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just us playing online, like all all like it was like ten of us uh, all just playing yeah. like nightly, and it was just something you got to hang out with the boys after a hard day at work, you know. And I'm yeah. I'm hoping that we at least get to do that, even if like. Uh, and I say that as a like as a player, Benny. Like for for player yeah. for player, Benny, not necessarily for organizer, Benny. That's awesome that it'd be on Monday. Because um, the other side of that is like for for everybody that can't make it on Saturdays, then maybe Monday is the option instead. You know, um, yeah. and with the online world that we're in now, like Saturdays might not work for a lot of people, um, and the weeknights yeah. actually might be more viable. When I was running the Spiral Series monthly, I had a choice between doing a weekend one or a, a night. Uh, a, a Monday, a Thursday night, and I, I chose the mm. the Thursday night because like it's less about committing an entire Saturday to a, going to a tournament and more being like, hey, I just got off of work, I'm gonna just you know wind down and play yeah. some games. Might as well enter a tournament while I'm online, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. I, like, I don't know. We'll we'll see in terms of that. I mean, yeah, I I definitely think I'll be around at least for like the the player aspect in terms of like playing matches against people. You know, like we were. We basically like swapping lobbies, right? It's just like how many people are in your lobby? It's like oh, there's four and four of us already in here. Yeah. Then we, you know some of us would break off and like, you know, we'd still be talking amongst each other or whatever. But it's just like hey, um, you know, join this other lobby instead. Yeah, and like playing in the closed beta uh, in December, like I got to recapture some of that magic at the battle hub where like a lot of us were just hanging out in there, and you know mm -hmm. we're gonna get to do either the battle hub or the the battle lounge system that that six has is, looks really robust and we won't have to do the lobby jumping thing anymore we'll be able to like spectate yeah. each other's matches and shit like it'll be pretty pretty awesome so i hope we can recapture that magic somehow <laughs> yeah oh yeah i didn't think about that spectating part too because like yeah now you, now you don't have to stream discord like hey my lobby's going on over here <laughs> yeah six ha uh so, sorry street fighter fives like in that, that magical time that i was talking about it was at launch when street fighter five was most maligned <laughs> yeah so it's good that uh hopefully six like sticks the landing and we will just get you know at least a, like a month or two of just really fun like hang hanging out hanging out with the boys playing games <laughs> yeah well, cool. Um, so I guess I have a whole spiel here. I wanted to kind of kind of close us out on it. That I uh, I wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and uh, that the the Absolute Guard podcast would not exist without you, Benny. Um, this was again, this was your idea, <laughs> like out of the gates, it was like originally your idea. And um, when we first started on this journey, like I had all these wild ideas of where I wanted to take the take the show, like um, how I wanted to like emulate my favorite podcasts. Like I really liked the problem with John Stewart's podcast, and I was like, let's do that, and you know, let's talk about these really deep issues. And in in reality, it's like, you know, that stuff isn't particularly 
uh, <laughs> we're not we're not natural born uh, storytellers or, or um or like show show showmans or anything like performers really. We're we're just a bunch of dudes with a podcast and having fun. Yeah. Um, and you've kept me grounded in that way. Um, and so like you know our initial goals of of chronicling the the history of the fighting game community were really big and lofty and grand. And um, I think that you know through your guidance, like we've landed on something that is. Uh, much more organic and lasting and that's the uh, humanizing the fighting game community through the context of history and with the passion for fighting games um like we it's it's less so about like hey we need to you know get all the facts straight and do like a journalistic thing and more just like hey yeah. you know these are the people these are the people in our scene these are the people that um they have memories they have stories that we can learn from that we can just look back on and laugh at and yeah. that that human aspect, I think, is the 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 strong note that it's been it's been great for my mental health, really, because I've gotten to like <laughs> I've gotten to uh, reconnect with a lot of people through through this show, um, and I, I'm eternally grateful for that. And it's a real honor to be to be riding alongside you on this journey, man. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, here's to many more shows. Happy birthday! <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Any any closing thoughts for before we uh, close out the show here? Uh, no, not really. I was kind of like looking at this uh, this Dudley match, and man, I can't <laughs> believe I hit like a jump in like super combo finish, and I'm like, man, that had to be demoralizing because like that never happens in like you never really hit people with like a headbutt super combo. Uh, usually it's like hands, you know, hands confirms that kind of stuff. So it's just like to kind of <laughs> kind of re- be reliving this right now. Is, yeah, it's really great. I think this is like perfect timing for it to like end on this. <laughs> that's the that's the general theme of the show. I think is that when Benny when Benny sees something that he wants, he he makes it happen. Whether it's it's a podcast, it's a match with Mocha Latte, it's a match with Daigo, it's a match with uh, all the other folks that you you mentioned in Alaska. So, <laughs> well, GGS man, and uh, here's to many more shows. Happy birthday! Thanks. Thank you.